So the first thing I saw when I popped on Facebook recently was Scott's thread of who thinks the intro music is awesome. <laughs> and the second thing you saw was the Skyrim calculator. The Skyrim calculator, I, I mean, we're not affiliated with them in any way, shape, or form, but that is awesome. That is such an awesome website. Well, not just that. This is the app I needed about two months ago. It's not an app yet, though, right? <laughs> Seriously. Okay, I needed it on my iPad two months ago so that while I was playing on the Xbox or on my Mac, I could sit there with the damn thing and plan out what I should be doing as opposed to what I was doing. Well, on their front page, they say breaking news, the Skyrim calculator, iOS, and Android app is currently being developed. But yeah, two months ago, that would have been good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't have wasted all those perks and things that turned out to have no value for me whatsoever. Well... Yeah, I mean that's that's what we're going to talk about. We're gonna—I don't know if we're going to get through all of the perks this episode. We'll try, um, or perhaps try not to. But yeah, I mean there are there are things that I would just never pick. And I guess you know when I first started playing, I thought, you know, it's really essential to get an entire constellation. Man, was that wrong? Yeah, I thought the same thing. I, I had this notion that filling one entirely out was worthwhile, and it turns out not. I mean, for instance, as Scott mentioned like five, twenty, maybe ten podcasts ago, if you're going through smithing and all you really want is to be able to smith dragon armor, you want to go up the left-hand side and just make sure you take the one in the middle for arcane smithing and then just have at it. And if you're not going for the dragon armor, if you're playing some other kind of character and that's not what you want to make, you just want to take it to 60 so you can get the arcane blacksmithing and then stop. Okay, let's start with smithing then, because um, James, I think you'll need to find the link for this. There's a guy on YouTube who's posting up lots of really interesting Skyrim videos, like how to become a horse. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't you just go to the mage in Winterhold and she takes care of that for you? (laughs) I'll I'll explain how it's done, but uh, hopefully you can get this guy's YouTube channel up on the links, because it's really interesting. Anyway, you become a werewolf, and then you run around for a bit until you're about to be to come out of being a werewolf and then you press into the horse while trying to mount it as you leave that state because it kind of zooms out that state and when you come out of it you are the horse (laughs) wow i I don't think technically you are actually the horse i think you're on the horse and invisible but it looks like you're yeah it looks like you're the horse Well, if the horse starts having a, a, a blade and a shield strapped to its front legs, then we'll know that we're really the horse. Yeah. <laughs> that would look awesome. Becoming one with the horse. I want to see the horse wield a bow with those hoofs. <laughs> Draw back the bow with these hooves. Uh, so that was kind of a decide. Anyway, this guy's got some videos about how to get insane damage on uh, bows, and he's made a bow that does... Two and a half thousand damage, and then you do a sneak, so you get three times. So. Two and a half thousand. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and basically he can one shot an elder dragon, <laughs> and he does it That's in the video. Awesome. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. I thought the magic bow that I saw somebody post that was like three hundred damage was good. Holy crap! <laughs> yeah, but the funny thing is, he shoots the elder dragon. The elder dragon jumps up in the air, flies around for a bit, then comes crashing down to the planet. Hits the ground and then jumps up again and then falls down and finally dies. Probably because the designers of the game couldn't co- believe the concept of one shotting an elder dragon. Exactly. Uh, so, what was really interesting about his points was all of the stuff, all the armor he made, he made uh, attack armor and defense armor. So, defense armor, he can move fast and, and do a, take a lot of damage. Attack armor, he 
just has a lot of uh, buffs for archery and, and whatnot. But all his uh, armor sets and even the bow that I was just talking about, they're all elven. So when you're talking about going all the way up the left-hand side or all the way up the right-hand side, he didn't even go anywhere near that. I mean, his smithing skill was up really high, but he just didn't need it to do that. And, and the key to it was to get... He made a four-piece um, blacksmithing suit to blacksmith things really well. And he um, made glitched-out enchantment potions. So oh, he enchanted, he enchanted his outfit to be good at blacksmithing, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> his boots, gauntlets, and uh, armor can do that. And also, he drank a potion of blacksmithing as well. So that when he went and did this stuff, he got a really, really, really good weapon. And then you enchant the weapon uh, while drinking enchantment potions that are really, really good. So... Yeah, that that was the key. So, so you didn't, you don't need to. I mean, let's start with the smithing one because this is where we're going here. We're talking about getting really good armor and weapons. You don't need to advance all the way up to the dragon smithing or daedric smithing. Oh, you need to take that at least just to sixty so that you can improve. Yeah, magic items, arcane. Yeah, especially like the daedric artifacts. Could you imagine if he had gone all the way up to dragon smithing though and did what he did with dragon armor? Yeah, because I know I got my dragon armor up to a thousand, and I think that included a shield. I had it over uh, like eleven hundred with a shield, and that was just awesome defense. Nothing would be able to hurt you if he'd done what he had talked, what you said he did with dragon armor. The elder dragon would drop out of the sky when he saw him because he'd fail. If you'd like Chuck Norris. <laughs> okay, so. What- <laughs> One of the interesting things about these trees are uh, these constellations. I don't know. I shouldn't call them perk trees because they're constellations. Like the strategy of going up the left side and the right side, that's, that's not like universally something you can apply to all these, all these uh, constellations. Because, I mean, it makes sense for smithing where it's like a circle. But if we go to all our favorite one, which has got to be archery. <laughs> Actually, archery does, is not really the one I was thinking of. But Sneak, perhaps? I'm very fond of the archery perks. Okay, let's stick with the warrior um, with the warrior perks. Let's, let's stick with the orange group here for now, and so we'll go from smithing. We'll go to archery now. Uh, Overdraw is awesome. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean There's, mm-hmm. more damage they, is always better. All the warrior constellations seem to have this kind of star where it just uh, does more damage for that uh, weapon type. Yes. Especially the blocking one's really good, like smashing people with shields. Sorry, I, I went off onto the wrong constellation. I like Eagle Eye. The difference between that and the archery ones is that with archery, if you've got sneak up even a little bit, if you take the archery up to the point where you can slow time down and you've gotten your top bot, you know, the five up on the overdraw, you take most things down before they even know you're there. I was doing the uh, Galder Amulet uh, quest uh, the last time I was playing, and Every single Draugr in the last room, I killed the entire lot of them, and none of them ever saw me. <laughs> and occasionally when they, do, when they do not, don't die in the first... Oh, that's great grammar. When the first shot doesn't kill them, they still don't know where you are if your sneak's up high enough. But. Well, yeah, that's, that's the way it was. I wasn't one-shotting them necessarily because my archery skill wasn't all the way up and my bow wasn't that great. But still, they couldn't spot me, so I'd hit them. They'd go like three-fourths down. They'd be looking around like, where is he? Where is he? Bam, dead. Okay, the next one come up. Okay, so that's sneaking, but we're, we're going to do archery. We've, got to do, we've somehow got to stay on track here. Uh, eagle Eye. 
Yeah, Austin, I agree. Awesome. What, what kind of surprised me when I first used the archery was that I couldn't zoom in and it was like, hey, wait, that's a perk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, steady hand. Zoom in and you get a time slow. Nice. Mm, steady hand is cool. I, I resisted using, like, getting steady hand for so long. Uh, Why? Just because I felt, well, it, it's... Because you want to prove to yourself that you've got elite skills and you can do this without the time slow. Yes, but when you're on your third or fourth playthrough, it's sort of like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. Yeah, first time through, who needs steady hand? This time through, oh, God, just get it already. Tunk, 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 you're all dead. Thank you. <laughs> so le- the left side of this tree is definitely the side I prefer. I can't say that I, I, I don't like the idea of the critical shot because I'm going to get crit bonuses on my bow eventually from uh, enchanting. So I don't feel like I need to put any perks into critical shot one, two, and three. But the power shot um, pretty much ends every fight, right? Because if they don't die, then almost every time they stagger so you can get another arrow off before they can do anything about it. When you get all the way up, bullseye is pretty darn cool because even the really tough things tend to get paralyzed. There's nothing better than hitting a Draugr Deathlord and watching it paralyze and tumble down the stairs. Yeah, although I've never taken Bullseye because, again, that's just something that I can get from a, from a necklace uh, or from using poisons on the arrows. Uh, you know what? This game should have a, an easier way to apply poisons to your arrows. <laughs> <laughs> they should last longer than one shot, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably, <laughs> that would probably fix it. Um, quick shot, brilliant. I love it. 30% faster draw, drawing of the bow. It would actually be nice. Yeah, to... it seems like everything on the right side of the tree is not so great. Because you can get that other ways, or, I mean, really, do you need as many, twice as many arrows from a dead body? And moving faster with the bow drawn? Who cares? Yeah, it's called just put your weapon away and run for it if you have to run for it. There's also a shout for that. Yes. Yeah, I, the right-hand side of the tree, I went up it the first time just because, again, I was doing what Michael said. I thought I had it was better to go all the way up the tree completely or the, the constellation completely. But, yeah, every other playthrough, left side of our tree, ignore the right side completely other than uh, the critical shot, which I actually took, even though Michael doesn't really much care for it. That was one I thought was kind of cool. Did you ever get many critical bonuses from hits with that that mattered? You know, I don't know. I mean, I think I took it because it sounded cool. I'm not sure if it actually worked out for me. Because you could almost say, like Mackie was saying a second ago, quick shot is almost something you could do without because you can use the elemental shout to make all of your weapons faster. Well, for that matter, once you've got quick shot, you can take so many shots that it doesn't matter if any of them are critical. Well, no, I was saying that quick shot might not be necessary if you can just use the shout to speed up your weapon strikes anyway. Oh, yeah, there is that too. The shouts are something else, that even though we talked about in the last episode, those are something that I don't make nearly as much use of. I, I'm still way too amused by unrelenting force and driving things off cliffs. <laughs> yeah, I'm not using my shouts as much either. I just tend to use my weapons or spells if, you know, if, if I need to summon something. Well, playing a non-mage character this time, I have also barely been using the shouts. And you would think that, okay, you don't, you don't really have access to magic, you've got no mana, you're going to need to use the shouts from time to time. But, eh, eh. Well, I'm playing a two-handed yeah, warrior really this to. time, and what I've discovered with him is that the unrelenting force is useful when you get mobbed, especially by creatures that if they mob up on you like enough, 
high-level draugers. If they mob up on you, even if you have a really good weapon and really good damage, they're going to take you down. I find unrelenting forces useful for those situations. But mostly, yeah, if I can take most of them down with the bow before they see me, it doesn't much matter whether I have shouts or not. You know, going incorporeal, we talked about that, um, that shout before. Going incorporeal in that situation to get away would actually be really useful. <laughs> yeah, if I remembered it. Now, who else besides Scott has gone up the two-handed uh, constellation at all? Two-handed it is. Done. Okay, so Barbarian, yep, starts with the do more damage. I, uh, I didn't, I didn't, yeah, I didn't do two-handed, I did the one-handed. Oh, yeah, yeah I love too. the two-handed weapon. Yeah, he was, he was doing sword and board. Okay. I no, I was doing two swords in each hand, I mean, two swords, one in oh, each hand. Oh, well. I was doing a sword and shield. Sometimes he was. <laughs> Sword and shield is something I've done as well. The two-handed weapons, I always feel like I'm a little bit too naked to arrow yeah. fire and spell fire. Um, but yeah, the, the, at the very bottom of this tree, you've got deep wounds, limb splitter, and skull crusher. And that's war hammers, axes, and, and swords, basically. So as well as the one to five barbarian do more damage stuff, you can also then get extra bonus damage for the crits, which is... Like the archery crit, so I probably wouldn't take it if I ever did a two-handed. Well, what I ended up doing was taking, like, one of each of those as I found better weapons early in the game. Because I'd keep switching to different two-handed weapons, depending on what was better. And I only started concentrating on one of them once I got a really nice sword that I wanted to keep using. I'd almost say that, like, that wouldn't have been worth it. Because perks are just so valuable. Mm Mm-hmm. I would much rather just keep them around until I had settled on what it is I was going to be doing and, and then spend them. Yeah, I think I yeah. play I think I kinda of play more random than that. <laughs> I found I found heavy armor and one handed to be more useful than two handed, so that's what the way I went. how much stamina do you have on your two handed warrior, James? Oh gosh, it was up around four hundred. Yeah, because... Wow. That's what I was in my current playthrough. With, without putting anything into any mana, and the fact that I'm sneaking everywhere means I've got virtually nothing in health as well. Well, the thing is, all of it's in stamina. This is what I should have done, and I haven't. Instead of putting all those stupid perks into the various deep wounds, skull crusher things that I did, I should have gone up the armor tree to the point where heavy armor is weightless. Yeah. Actually, you, you can get the uh, steed stone for that. Yeah, and it'll make your armor I, I should have gone up that tree, is what I'm saying. I should have spent those yeah. that way. Because uh, cushioned uh, helps you. Actually, yeah, cushioned helps you, and so does uh, the, the tower of strength for when uh, you're jumping down cliffs or something big is attacking you, like a giant or centurion. You won't get as much stagger. Well, conditioning isn't even all that hard to get. I mean, if you look at the the heavy armor um, tree. Yeah, that's only like four perks worth. It's a 70, so you don't need, you whoa, whoa, don't need to go whoa, all that on, high let's, up. Let's finish the two-handed before we go to heavy armor, right? Okay. <laughs> um, so, like, the next part is the champion stance, uh, which uh, this is what I was asking about stamina, because this one reduces 25% cost to stamina using 200 weapons. And I've discovered that having stamina with 200 weapons, the other reason I went up to 400 is that if you try to do the power attacks with the two-handed weapons, which, to be honest, a lot of why I do it is that I really like the animation cutscenes. <laughs> <Because, laughs> well, that's one that's right above this, devastating blow. Yeah. Uh, standing power attacks do 25% bonus damage, but 
They give a chance to decapitate your enemy. Well, yes, and those are <laughs> awesome. They they show you sweeping the guy's legs out from under him, and then as he's falling, you decapitate him. <laughs> it's well, really that's what I was awesome. wondering. You keep you keep talking about doing these uh, critical damage things, right? So the great critical damage perk. Did you take that? Yes. Okay, man, you and your crits. Um, and then sweep. The sideways power attacks with two-handed weapons hit all targets in front of you. That seems pretty important to me. It is. That's, that's actually um, that's reminiscent of one of the power attacks you see with two-handed weapons in Dragon Age 2, which I know a lot of you didn't think much of. But I'm bringing it up simply because if you watch the animation in Dragon Age 2 for that, a whole bunch of enemies go down, and this is sort of the same thing. And then the final perk gives you, same as the archery, 25% chance to paralyze the target. Yeah. yeah, it kind of set up seems to be common with all the weapon trees. Okay, do you want to do one-handed or do you want to go to heavy armor? Because heavy armor is pretty interesting, I guess. Yeah, I think so. You got the juggernaut on the bottom, which uh, and it, it uh, helps increase your uh, defense each by 20% as you put in stars until you get to 100. And then you got... In which... Yeah, you only have to get up to 80 skill to get all five of those, and you've got your heavy armor increased by 100%. So if you had that suit of defense that was 1,100, it would now be 2,200. Well, no, I mean, the, the, I got 1,100 with those Well, uh, yeah, you stars. did. I was just giving them an yeah. example. That's why if you take these skills up and you have the right kind of armor, you can stand toe-to-toe with giants or elder dragons. And if you take the right potions to make the fire damage not do much, you just stand there and yawn at them. Uh, there was one thing I wanted to point out in the heavy armor tree, and it's right down the bottom. Um, on the Facebook group, one of our listeners, uh, no, actually it was an iTunes review, review, said that they were bored with the game, and then they decided to play it through using bare hands only. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but, yeah. Fists uh, of Steel is awesome. Fists of Steel. <laughs> Unarmed that attacks of heavy one. armor gauntlets do their armor rating in extra damage. So if you got some like gauntlets up to some serious like 2,000 defense or something like that, uh, and that's like 2,000 damage from a punch. Yes, so you it, go it, in, it, it you makes go brawling one punch really an Elder Dragon, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, quite, but yeah. That, that Hi, rem- nice to meet you, Elder Dragon. Punch! That reminds me of an episode of Parker Lewis Can't Lose where uh, Kupacek punches a bus and it falls apart. It just, it just reminded me of something like that. That's pretty well, much where um, that would be. Cushioned. Yeah. Half damage from falling if wearing all heavy armor. Really, I wouldn't. I wouldn't pick that one. I mean, well, if you're going for conditioning. Yeah, you're on your way to conditioning. Yeah, I still There's like a few that packs one. like that. Considering the fact that sometimes you have to scale mountains and drop down mountains, cushion actually kind of helps. I don't do that. I just keep pressing spacebar and basically climb the mountain. <laughs> I mean, like if you're going down a mountain. Not going up. Yeah, going down. Again, you just sort of jump down, then watch the that first down. step. It's a doozy. Yeah, yeah. I jump off ledges and then attack people sometimes with that. For death from above. Death from above. He did say he was a road warrior. <laughs> so and then the other side of this tree just sort of increases your armor strength up and up and up. Um, reflect blows ten percent chance to reflect melee damage back to the enemy. That sounds funny. <laughs> That's kind of the final. Yeah, one. they heard you liked armor bonuses, so they put more armor bonuses in your armor bonuses. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that thing where you swing the baseball bat, and all the pain goes right up your arms. Let's go to block because this is an area that uh, really surprised me in the game. How powerful shields are in the game—they really got this right. 
uh, the shield wall basically increases your blocking up to 100% uh, effectiveness when you get all five of them. So you become indestructible. <laughs> uh, but the uh, power bash, that's the cool one. You can, you can pretty much... You know how we're talking about the knockback with arrows and, and... Well, this is the same, but with shields. You just keep knocking them back forever and a day. Yeah, basically it turns your shield into a second weapon. So it's not just blocking. It's not just there to absorb arrows. It actually is a weapon. Yeah, and then Deadly Bash uh, increases the damage done by the shield by five times, which is uh, probably the best bonus of all these, I would think. Like, like you've got the archery is three times. The backstab with the knife is 15 times, but doing that is hard. Uh, but this is just straight up, run up to the guy, smash him with his shield, and he's dead. And especially since you can smith the shields, just like you can smith everything else, as Scott was saying with making that dragon armor, you can make your dragon shield and then go and beat the living crap out of things. Well, I also kept going on this side and did disarming bash. And, and that when you go up and smash someone and they don't die for whatever reason, uh, maybe they get lucky, well, they lose their weapon. <laughs> so now they're really in trouble. Yeah, I didn't do much with this one. I played a one-handed guy. I think it was because I was concentrating fully on the bow. So I kind of took the whole one-handed weapon and shield thing as a completely secondary endeavor and didn't pay much attention to it. Uh, that's a shame, because the deflect arrows on the left-hand side... Th this is a, a constellation where I would pick almost everything except for quick reflexes, which is the center one. Uh, and that's time slows down if, if you are blocking during an enemy's power attack. Uh, so you can kind of... I've seen people use that on YouTube where they dodge attacks using it. Um, but I haven't... I, I think I'd rather them just hit my shield. But deflect arrows pretty much means that um, you just lift up your shield and arrows hit the shield and you take no damage. And more importantly, elemental protection... Um, fire, frost, and shock, 50% oh, wow. less. And, and yeah. those aren't that high up either. If you look at these, they only require 30 and 50. Yeah. And even Block Runner is actually one that's uh, pretty good for the moving faster because Block is one of the things you'd like to be able to do when you're moving. <laughs> Dragon is flame-breathing me. Let me keep this shield up while I back up. Yeah. And then the final one, the shield charge, uh, when you hit people, they fall down. Um, which is the double... It's like the, the mage's double-handed attack, which knocks them down. See, now I'm going to have to do another whole playthrough with a shield guy. Yeah, like, I, I was using single-handed sword and shield, and it was, uh, it was great fun. Yeah. Since I've been trying to get my main guy all his skills to, like, 100, what I did when I was in, like, a Felmer, Felmer, uh, bleh, Felmer place and they were shooting arrows at me, I'd pull out a shield and get, like, an ice spike, and I'd use the shield to block their arrows, and I'd throw ice spikes at them. Ooh, mix of mage and shield. That's nice. cool. Nice. Uh, the, the last constellation for this section is one-handed, and it is the goofiest-looking constellation of them all. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> what is this? Uh... Okay, it no. has this little branch over off to the side for the dual wielding stuff, which I actually put some in even on the character that I was doing the sneaking initially when I thought I could still get damage out of both and I wanted it to be two-handed, but we should get undo perks sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, yeah, This is definitely one of those constellations you do not need to finish it. I uh, did, like, dual, dual flurry, dual savagery, and I basically stopped there after getting all of Armsmen. Yeah, a lot of this is to do with crits. Oh, you can also do the yeah. Savage Strike, which gives you the decapitate animation as well. 
Yeah, that one was rather amusing when I was using the mace that you get from, uh, oh, God, which, which Daedric princess do you get the, uh, the mace Molar, from? Molar, Bag, or something like that. The guy, the guy in the abandoned house in Macarth. Yeah. Anyway, when you get a, the, the decapitation animation for using a mace is amusing because you sit there with the one-handed weapon, you're thinking, how does that actually work? I hit him with the mace and drove his head off. How, how are the physics of that? I guess you rip his head off. Is what it, it gets stuck to the mace, and you just so strong, you just rip it. It's just that would be crazy. We should definitely talk about this a little bit more, <laughs> <laughs> especially for all our audience listening during dinner time. Yeah. <laughs> but it isn't amusing. The other one that's amusing is when you get the animation out in the field where you hit like a saber cat or or a bear in the mouth. Because that's an amusing one, where you hit them in the mouth and they die, because apparently you drive the mace all the way through their body. <laughs> I'm going to hit your brain through your big mouth. <laughs> the, the axes and maces, uh, you know, because unless you've got that shield up, the, the attacks are so much slower than swords, it just never seemed worth it to me. Yeah, I was like using swords too. And that was another reason I didn't really like the, the dual-wielding stuff, because it just seemed very slow. I did it because I thought, okay... The Nord starts with the improved dual-wielding power. You know, it's up, it's up much higher. So I thought, okay, if I start a Nord and I give him two-handed, he'll advance faster on that skill, and that seems to be the way Bethesda's driving me to play a Nord. Whereas if I'm playing a Mage and I start with a High Elf, I start out with more magic. So that seems to be the way they're driving me there. So I was trying to go the direction the game was kind of guiding me from the beginning with that. Hmm. You know, I've completely, for the most part, ignored the uh, racial bonuses you get. Maybe I should take pay more attention to that. Well, for mages, that, that whole high elf thing matters a whole lot. Suddenly you have 180 magic at the beginning. It's just, oh my gosh. Redguard also has an ability to, I think it's uh, increase their stamina regeneration every, like, for 30 seconds or something like that. So that's why I picked that one, because I thought it would be good for a warrior. Yeah, the Red Guard, is it the Red Guard have the the shout to calm everybody down? No, that's uh, Imperials. Yeah, that's ah, the Imperial's, yeah, obviously. Emperor's voice. Yeah, those powers are kind of a mixed bag. Some of them are good, some of them not so good. Yeah, Argonians can breathe underwater, and uh, I forget what the Khajiit can do. They get night vision. Oh, man, that's good, yeah. It's really not. <laughs> that sucks, then. <laughs> did, you, did, did you ever use the cat's eye thing from Fallout New Vegas? It was really pointless. Oh, so it's the blue vision thing from from Fallout New Vegas? Is that all it is? Yeah, pretty much. Oh, great. I mean, it looks, it looks a lot better than it. <laughs> okay. In this graphics engine, but... Yeah, okay, so 1.4 is out now. came out yesterday. So they missed. Before we talk about 1.4, why don't we say this? I think we're probably going to have to do another whole episode devoted to some of these other perk trees because there's just so much more to talk about here. Yeah, I think that's pretty much a given. Uh, the the kind of thief area, the the green section on the Skyrim perk calculator, that's going to be a pretty big conversation, I think. Yeah, and we haven't touched on magic at all either. So. Yeah. So 1.4 came out. Yesterday, they kind of missed uh, the January release date by one day, but oh well. <laughs> but, but, but no, they did fix some of the quests. I can get, I can vouch for that. I was playing earlier this today, and there's a quest if you side with the blades, if you go up and kill Parthenax, 
there's a quest where you bring stuff back to Esbern and eventually you talk to him and he gives you this dragon's blessing thing. Uh, you know, it's not all that useful, but, but it happens. In pre-1.4, that quest totally glitches out for almost everybody. You go to the wiki, you find out you're not the only one that it's glitched for. You go to him and all you get from him is the stock conversation. I'm playing the game, I kill a dragon, and suddenly out of nowhere it says, return to Esbern. Go back to Esbern, the quest is unglitched. So they did, in fact, unglitch at least that quest, and based on the notes that came for the release notes, a whole ton of quests are unglitched by this. Yeah, we, we knew what was coming. Um, and I, if, I don't know if you knew this, but you could actually try it out a week beforehand, which yeah, is what I was doing. I didn't do If you that. go into Steam, into your Steam settings, there's an area there for beta participation, and the Skyrim beta was an option there, and that gave you access to 1.4. Um, and yeah, so many quest glitches are fixed. Uh, like that glitch that you have on Xbox where you couldn't finish it because the two conflicted, that's right, gone. Right. Um, but the caps lock bug is definitely still there. <laughs> well, the, but the, the, the thing is, is that the reason I didn't go for the beta is because I'm using the SKSE um, plus script extender thing so that I can use Sky UI. And it didn't look to me like they had an update that was suitable for 1.4 until I think it was yesterday. The Skyrim creation kit isn't out yet. Right. I thought it would be out with 1.4. I want yeah, that they to said be out so badly. January, my rear. Whoa, 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 one at a time. They said soon. Yes, but soon, yeah, you know. And for those of you not to, uh, here to listen, we're all talking on top of each other because we're on Skype. We can't see each other when we start to talk. Don't worry, it'll, it'll sound like I'm cutting everybody off. That's what happens every time. <laughs> Just trying to explain. What did you say, Austin? Uh, I know you were in there as well. I uh, really want that to come out, like, now. The creation kit. Now, if you want to find out what's in it, they do have a video up. Now, the video is not all that detailed, but it does look pretty darn cool. I mean, it looks like they've enhanced this a whole heck of a lot since the GAC. It looks very uh, detailed. It looks like you can make levels and do it's all sorts of It's almost exactly scripting. the same as the Gek. Yeah, it just looks smoother than the Gek is what I'm saying. It's, it's, well, it's, it for those who don't know just, what the Gek is... That's, for the, that's the same thing for the Fallout games. Okay, well, I, I didn't know what that was. <sighs> okay, so some of the things that I saw that were different. Um, the thing that interested me the most was their scripting language is a completely new... Looks like a... a more, more of a complete language than it was before. So that, that definitely interests me. And I, I know under the hood they're actually optimizing those things so that the game doesn't run really slowly. And the other thing that kind of interested me was the quest scripting timeline stuff. That, that looks like it's got a huge upgrade from the GEC. I tried making a quest in the GEC and it's awful. This looked easy. This looked like a, if you've ever done any flash programming where you set out your animation path and... Yeah, it, it looked a lot like that. Yeah. yeah. That's what it should be like. I should be good at that, then. I took a whole class on Flash. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it looks like something that, that, if you're, that you can probably play, get started with if you're not entirely technical, which is, I think, the audience they're going for. I mean, certainly it looks like it's deep enough for people who are developers to get into, too. But it just looks like, based on the videos I've watched for the Fallout GAC, it looks like it's very similar to the GAC, but it also looks like they've made it a lot smoother looking. It looks like it's got fewer rough edges to it. And I bet it doesn't crash on upload like the GAC. <laughs> yeah. Right, well. so that brings us to the Steam Workshop thing. We're, we're in the Bethesda realm here. I don't know if I'd give them that yet. Steam Workshop thing, I 
suspected we would have seen some evidence of it in 1.4 or in the Steam UI or something, somewhere. I can't find anything. <laughs> they have a page set up for it. Yeah, I think they're just. I think it's all on hold until they uh, until they decide to release it. Yeah, but the creation kit lets you upload straight into Steam. Um, this, yeah, so that that's pretty cool. It is actually. You know what? That reminds me a lot of what they done for uh, StarCraft Two with Blizzard. Their their uh, mod tool allows you to publish straight into the community as well. Yeah, but the difference here is this in StarCraft Two, you're probably talking levels, and they're pretty standalone and independent. In this. It'll be interesting to see how well different people's mods work and play together because you can pretty easily, it looks to me, create mods that'll stomp right on top of each other. Yeah, I think that'll happen a lot, in fact. This yeah. My... yeah, it does. The ten different versions of horse armor mod will definitely trample each other. Well, and you can have problems with, uh, with mods as, as they are. I mean, I, I don't know if this is completely related, but I was using the, the uh, Dovahkiin hideout mod for a bit. Yeah, and, and then that I s- conflicts with uh, Breeze Home. Well, I mean, the Breeze Home Basement, that's what it was called. Was well, no, I, it conflicts with Breeze Home Basement, but that wasn't my problem. The problem was my game started freezing a lot, and when I started systematically removing plugins to track down which one was the problem, that looked like it was the one. So when I unloaded that one and got rid of it, my freezes went away, or mostly went away. It happens if you have too many mods running, too. Well, I only had like four, so I don't think I had too many. It also depends on their size. What do you mean by too many? If you have too many running and your computer isn't like got a high performance rate, it'll slow down your computer even more because it's not like scripted perfectly into it. I'm just thinking that the DLCs, when they eventually start coming out, does anyone else feel like they're taking their sweet time getting DLC out? I don't mind, so long as they do a good job. Actually, I should remember that the exclusive. <laughs> you got to wait another two months. <laughs> <do it. sighs> anyway, yeah, the yeah those the DLCs technically counts as mods, so I don't think. I don't. Know, I, don't I don't think you're right there. But they integrate it r- properly. Oh. Yeah, those will be official. Oh, I don't know about that. It's like Fallout 3 DLCs, right? We're still talking Bethesda here. I know if you run too many mods with um, all the Fallout um, uh, DLCs, it'll slow your game down really much. At least they're not fail access. Well, this will be interesting to see because, you know, even in this version, they did a lot of optimization stuff. I think we talked about this before when we went through the changelog in the last episode, not the last episode, the episode before that one, for 1.4. You know, they've definitely spent some time optimizing memory usage and CPU usage. So it's it's possible that in 1.4, the mod limit is going to be... Uh, fair bit higher than it was previously in games like Fallout? Well, I can tell you this. It runs much more smoothly under 1.4 than it did beforehand because I'm getting better performance by a fair bit. I mean, it runs much more smoothly for me. And keep in mind, I'm running in a VM on a Mac, so I'm running on not the most optimal hardware available here. Yeah, I I even noticed it. No matter how robust they make it, if you pile on enough mods, the game is going to collapse under the weight. Eventually, we're going to have to download the 18 gigabyte high texture mod pack. 
Exactly. It's going to come. Just give it time. It will. It will. The same thing happened in Oblivion. The one game that did good with their modding tool was Rage, because it's integrated right into the game. So all you have to do is open up the console, and you can mod it straight there in-game. Rage was made by Id, though. But but they're Bethesda's, um, like, they're one of their side companies. Yeah, but it... None of that technology is in Skyrim, as far as I know. Yeah, that's yeah I think they've said they're not going to have any crossover of technology for a while, if at all. It's still a good idea, though, having the modding tool in the game while you're playing. I agree. I agree. Totally. Yes, it would be a little bit faster, even with the Gex-style thing, if I could go in and run it right then, so I have to close Gex, save, save the thing, close Gex, get into the game, wait for it to load, test the mod. Oops, it breaks on the first thing. Uh, back to the drawing board. It'd be nice to like, yeah, summon the enchanting table and breeze home and and, and mannequins and weapon plaques or whatever the heck you wanted. But you right can then. do a lot of that right now, I and mean, that's kind of the the weird thing. Kind of the only thing that you couldn't do in game would be writing the scripts and timelines and creating, you know, dungeons and houses. But everything interior, like interior decorating, putting items in places, or summoning weapons and creating custom things, all of that should be possible to be doing, done in game. So, yeah, I think it would have been a great idea to have all of the modding tools and, and world manipulation stuff just in the game. Would make life a lot easier. I wonder if the problem is, is that they don't have the ability to do dynamic load of that stuff past the opening of the game itself. Yeah, probably. Uh, and, you know, that's... Uh, you, when I was running the GEC, I could see it straining my computer. When when you're doing uh, 3D environment changes, you know, making caves and whatnot, I could I could definitely see that it was definitely a bigger load on my computer than playing the game itself. Yeah, there was sometimes when I would try to load up a place to look at it, see how they put it together, and I couldn't even get everything, all the wall segments and things to load. Computer's like. Uh-uh, not doing it. It's like the viewfinder on the GAC is, like, limited to, like, a little certain little radius. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. You can only load X number of cells. Well, the Skyrim uh, mapping engine, uh, did you guys ever see that YouTube video where they did a Google Maps sort of thing with Skyrim? <laughs> no, I didn't. So when, you zo- you can, you, when you're outside, you can zoom all the way up into the sky so that you've got the map view. And basically treat the whole thing like a fully zoomable thing, like in Google Maps. But the detail of an area is only loaded around where you stand in the world. So if you then if you zoom out and then zoom in somewhere else, you only get the you know very vague outline of that place on your screen. Uh, it's only it's literally only around your character that has the high high detail version loaded in memory. I'm not surprised. <laughs> Because each section, each area feels like it's uh, sectioned off. Like you'll be in a town, like uh, one of the holes, like a uh, white run, and then you go out to Skyrim, and it loads that area, and, and it probably only loads a certain amount of that. I know my computer probably could not handle the entire Skyrim loaded all at once. <laughs> but this is like this is a piece of technology from GTA 4 that they should totally invest in, where oh, GTA yeah. 4 just did dynamic loading as you approach things, it would pull it into memory. Oh man, the, all the all the going from area to area between doors and blech, they if the next if the next uh, the next Elder Scrolls game or the next Fallout game gets rid of that, brilliant. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. That that'll bring Hazard to higher audience. Yes, <laughs> it'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. 
Shows everyone has been their pattern since Morrowind. I think I think in terms of like is is their technology good enough to make them you know really interesting games? Obviously, <laughs> the fact that so many people liked Skyrim and you know we loved it uh, pretty much says that they they got enough of stuff right that uh, that they don't really have to worry too much about the technology at this point. But you know when when you play it so much, you kind of really wish some of these things were ironed out. Yeah, yeah, like, like after the second or third playthrough, when you notice that you're going through the door, you know what's on the other side of the door, and it's just taking all that time to load the blasted thing. I thought I was the one that and had to like, deal with the You're like, it's a one-room house. Why does it take this long? <laughs> well, I thought all you guys had not that long, times. Scott. It's, I think my load time is typically under 10 seconds. It's just, you know, even 10 seconds seems to drag after a while. Okay, we've been told multiple times not to... Uh, rag on the game so much so i think <laughs> on that note maybe we should end this episode and uh if you've missed an episode and you need to subscribe to our itunes feed which of course you do need to subscribe to our itunes feed you want to join the facebook group follow us on twitter or join the steam group you can find these links and more at www.jarobo.com that's j-a-r-o-b-e-r.com slash thumcast t-h-u-u-m-c-a-s-t and uh, as a side note, yes, last episode was kind of fan indulgent. Yep, we love you guys. But when else are you going to hear Mackie attempt to say Fusra Da as a theme? Come on. <laughs> Never. Never. Again. And give our listeners some bonus material and sing the Skyrim song? I think I'll go back to the polycast rule. Yeah, no singing. <laughs> that rule was invoked for a reason. Yeah, no singing. I'm, I'm getting a lot of negative responses here. <laughs>